0: Alright guys, our next guest is one of the best blokes in MMA and easily one of the best analysts in the sport. You know from his excellent work on Morning Combat on Showtime with Brian Campbell and also CBS Sports. Uh, He's fresh out of the shower because we caught him half an hour early as we just uh, found out a second ago. But he's kind enough that he just made it work. The man just rolls with the punches. Luke Thomas, welcome back to your MMA equivalent of a side piece. How are you, man? (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know what?
1: That's not a worse thing to be. You're coveted in that position, so I am happy to be back and um, to enjoy myself. How are you, boys?
2: Good, good. So before we get into it, what are we looking at in terms of timing for the shower? Are we looking at about a solid five, six minutes? Do you have a process here? Break it down for us. You mean in terms of like how long I generally take? Yeah, yeah, I believe a man like you would have a good solid routine to make the most of his time. In yeah, the I think.
1: Six to seven minutes tops. Mm. Um I don't sing shampoo at the start daydream. or at the end. Are, I don't... You, are,
2: you, are you hitting the head the shampoo straight away and then dealing with the rest straight later? Sorry,
1: start start here, start here, mm-hmm. and the face and the neck and behind the ears and everything. Rinse that off. Then you do the rest of the body. You rinse that off and then I have to get a little bit of special work under here because it'll get soapy. But other than that, I start here and down. Yeah.
0: I've, I've been showering all wrong as I'm just realizing now, Luke. My routine is turn the water on. 15 minutes later when I'm done flexing, the water's still running. Then I <laughs> gently get in. Then I sit in the corner, ponder things. Then I start thinking about using some soap. And by then, the hot water's run out. So then I just manscape my balls and then that's it. Call it a day. What do you think about that Don't routine? Forget...
2: Don't forget about the crying, the constant mm. crying.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you're showering, it sounds like what you're doing is basically you're running out of water and then showering with (laughs) dude wipes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, guys, that's the show. Luke, thanks so much. (laughs) 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 Now, in all all seriousness, man, let's get into it. Uh, The big question really is, aside from the fact that Masvidal will have more time to prepare for this fight with Kamaru Usman this weekend, what, if anything, is different about this meeting between these two guys in your mind?
1: I think the fact that they're, you know, it's not just the short It was short notice for both guys. Like, I'm pretty convinced that you didn't get the best Jorge Masvidal. I think that's pretty fair. I'm also not convinced you got the best Kamaru Usman because he goes and takes on Gilbert Burns, who, of course, he was supposed to take on the time he fought Masvidal, and we all know the story that didn't happen. And then he took him on later. And, yes, he had another camp with Trevor Whitman in the bag at that point. But, um, you know, he just got a lot more dynamic – fighting out of him, and, and of course, Gilbert is not Jorge and vice versa, I, I gather. I just mean to say, I, I don't know that the fight will be radically different than the first one. I suppose it could be, but that's not my feeling, but I really also believe that in as much as you didn't get the most out of Jorge, and he probably has more to show the second time around. I don't think they're equally didn't show as much, but you know, we've seen it a lot where these headliners get an opponent switch last minute, and they don't exactly look like themselves, like John Jones against OSP or Daniel Cormier against Anderson Silva you know mm. it doesn't they win they win but it doesn't quite go their way in the which you thought it might so I actually think you're going to get a better performance out of both of them and and I
0: look forward to that, actually. I think the fact that Usman took it on six days notice as well and preparing for a different guy, you know, the broken nose and when he was describing about, like, not sleeping for four days, man, I think it got very much swept under the rug how difficult it was for him as well. Um, but, like, I guess the narrative here and the selling point of this is... Jorge didn't have enough time to prepare which is completely fair enough but what I'm wondering Luke is how much of a factor do you think conditioning is for why Jorge didn't win the fight or or may or may not win the fight or how much of a factor do you think it is just stylistic matchup that you know Usman just you know controls the fight so well in a way that Jorge just you know can't really do the damage that's necessary.
1: Well, I definitely feel like cardiovascular conditioning my lack of preparation and that tremendous weight cut. Mm. I mean, you know, Jorge is usually in decent shape, it seems like. and uh, he's been training for a long time. and I'm sure he enjoys himself, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that get balloons out of camp and then has to lose it all again. Still, at the same time, he's he's older now. He's closer, I think closer to forty than he is thirty. And um, you know, he had to get down very quickly from one ninety ish down to, Championship weight, no extra, no extra, um, uh, what you a call pound. it, um, a pound to, to weigh in that way. So, yes, there's no denying that I think that really hurt him because he was basically, I think, more or less himself in the first round. But by the fourth and the fifth, it kind of fell off a total cliff. And I just don't believe if it goes five rounds, you'll see a similar kind of precipitous drop off from the first to the fourth and the fifth. Now that being said, though, you know, if you're asking me, is that the reason why he lost? Well, it's a lot of reasons, and that's a main contributor. But to me, the question isn't so much that. The question is, what does Jorge Masvidal have to overcome if that's not a condition? Mm -hmm. If you assume that cardiovascular conditioning the second time around is a wash, like that's not really gonna affect him negatively one way or the other, then why might he still lose? Because that's to me the is the prime. consideration here. To me, it is a stylistic matchup. I mean, I did a cursed, you know, everyone says there's cursed. curse. There's no such thing as curses. But <laughs> we were doing this thing on Morning Combat called Resume Review. You guys may or not have seen it. For those who are watching who have it, we basically go through a fighter's resume um, the week of a really big fight for themselves. And we did one for Jorge, and it took us two hours to do. And the lesson you come away with is that all of the stories about him improving incrementally over time, they're true about him having this awakening later in his career, I think that's very true. Um, that he was been good all along, but just a little bit short in certain spaces, I think that is true. But here's also the truth. When guys can really kind of spam him with takedown attempts, they do well. And that's been true consistently. It was true in the Havalov fight. It was true in the Maya fight. It's been true in the Usman fight. I guess it wasn't true in the Pat Healy fight, but Healy was never elite. Um, so, I wouldn't say you discount that. And I also think that was 155, not 170. But, you know, when guys, it's not like Jorge gets like totally run over when that happens. He's still there. Mm. He's still able to be dangerous late. But that's still going to be there this time, probably. And so the question
2: is, what does you do about that? Always wondering as well about the fact that he's already been in there with Usman and Shoei was in there hundred percent in terms of being able to do a full camp for it, but he's able to take away the fact that, Hey, I know what it feels like when I'm up against this cage. And I know what it feels like when Kamara is trying to do this. And you walk away with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit more of an understanding of what each fighter does. And Kamara does walks away with the same knowledge, but I suppose he dominated that fight. So for him, maybe there's less stuff that stands out. Which guy do you think walks away from that first fight? makes the most changes leading into the second fight in your opinion for sure jorge for sure jorge i mean it's all
1: uh, i won't say always the case but it's almost always the case that in the event you have a rematch it is the loser from the first fight who it's a blessing and a curse the curse is that you lost the first time and that's bad the blessing is that you have much more tools to work with to find a new way forward especially if there's time that's elapsed between them. Now, we don't have a ton of time. The first fight was in July. This will be in May, or excuse me, late April anyway. So a little bit less than a year, um, which is not, to me, a ton of time and probably not a sufficient amount of time for a major change. But if you're Jorge Mas, I mean, just think about it. How are you going to uh, ration your offense differently now that cardiovascular conditioning won't be nearly the same kind of concern? You have a whole other camp, and frankly a year since then, to really work on defensive wrestling fundamentals. You have an entire 10 months or so to work on not uh, finding your way towards the cage, right? Keeping the fight in the middle. And even small stuff, like if you get taken down... What did he do last time? I mean, he fought the takedown, but let's say he got taken down. What did he do? He kind of just held on or tried to underhook and find his way back up. I'm not saying this will be a predominant way in which he fights, but like now you can do guard play, at least for a minute or so, or however long you want to make a threat of that. You know, you have a ton of different ways in which you can explore. If the first fight was in many ways, um, you were at the mercy of very poor preparation based on those circumstances. Good preparation should give you a wide array of choices. Now, to be clear, Kamaru's got a lot of chances to do things differently as well. Like, I think a lot of those foot stomps, people clowned him for it, and they were stupid. But, (laughs) you know, he was a little bit out of options. He didn't really know what he wanted to do or what he was really up against, and he was playing it safe. I think you'll see some changes from him, but but for sure, the guy who ran out of gas and the guy who was a little bit limited the first time, um, he has a lot of different things he could try this
2: time. I noticed that Jorge also sort of brings up the fact that Kamari doesn't have knockout power. He, After being in there with him, he doesn't feel like he's got the power in his hands. But then we saw a big improvement in that Gilbert Burns fight. Do you think he legitimately believes there's no power there for Usman, or is that just something that he's saying leading up to this fight, especially with the improvements that we're slowly seeing Kamaru make fight by fight?
1: See, here's the thing. Uh, this is the blessing and the curse of being a born fighter, the way that Jorge Masvidal is. And here's what I mean: the blessing is that, um, dude, he is just deeply unafraid of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, almost, almost to a fault. Like he does, he is not capable. He might fear the loss, or that the judges might get it wrong, or the payday. Or so I'm not saying he's not working with some component of fear or you know expectation or something, but as it relates to what Kamaru might do to him, dude, he is utterly unafraid. That's a good thing, you would think. And in many ways, up to a point, it is. But And I can't prove this. I don't know this for sure. But it feels like, to me, he's almost cool to a fault. He can take a shot, right? And he's got an iron chin. That's been proven at uh, lightweight and at welterweight. He's got a tremendous chin. And so, yeah, maybe is not the hardest hitter he fought, but we've seen Kamaru has fight-stopping power. We've literally seen it. And two, um, you want to have some urgency about Kamaru landing on you. If you're so calm and that he doesn't bother you, the common interpretation is, oh, Kamaru can't hurt him. But Kamaru can score points. Even if you don't think it landed, oh, it didn't land hard. To the judges, it doesn't matter. He landed on you. Especially if your head pops back or sweat goes flying or it makes a loud noise. You might internalize that as nothing the judges internalized that as majorly something. I remember when Frank Mir fought Shane Carwin. Go back and watch that. You can mm. see, you know, Shane Carwin was a massive power puncher. I mean, he, if you've never seen Shane Carwin fight, for the folks who are watching, get on Fight Pass and watch Shane Carwin versus Christian Wellish. Oh, yeah. Um, Shane Carwin lands a cross on Christian Wellish that not only whips his head and spins him like a cork, it sends the mouthpiece flying. And this wasn't like some big overhand. It was just a bop, bop, and it, the whole shit turned him around, okay? So you, so if you're Frank Mir and you're fighting a guy like that, you, you, you don't want to panic when he hits you, understandably. But there's a moment where Shane presses Frank against the fence and begins to just kind of unload on him. And you can see Frank whew, calm himself. But he stays so calm, he actually never really fights at all mm. until all the punches accumulate, and then he falls over. You know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Jorge, like the same exact thing, but I do think Jorge is has such a good chin and is so unafraid. He doesn't mind taking a couple, but the problem is that has cost him in fights previously when it got real tight and
0: the judges leaned towards effort versus maybe some of the skill that Jorge had shown. Fascinating theory, man, and very, very good example, Luke. Um, so if you're Jorge, what is kind of the path to victory here? You got to think Jorge winning by decision, not super likely with usman's control so you got to think he's got to clip him and he's got to finish him in this fight and i'm wondering you know how how would you see that happening if it were to sort of ideal case scenario and we were talking just before about sort of jorge masvidal where where do you sort of rank jorge's power or how would you assess it because you could make the argument some of the guys that he's knocked out in recent times They may not have the best chins. That's not a knock on Jorge at all, but I'm just trying to... And obviously, the Asker knee was just... That was just a missile. That would basically knock out anybody. And with Usman, we saw in the Burns fight, he's got a fantastic chin, and not only that, but very, very good resolve. So if Jorge is to hurt him, how likely do you think it is, and and, and how would that even happen?
1: I think that, um, you know, you have to decide what's possible here. If it's me... um... You know, I am not dismissing the idea that Jorge can't win. I'm uh, not. Excuse me. I'm not dismissing the idea that Jorge um, uh, can win at um, via decision. I admit I don't think that's the likeliest path. But you know, you kind of want to prepare for that. I kind of feel like that's the thing you want to have in mind because as tough as you think you might be, and and certainly we all know Jorge is quite tough. Uh, Kamara's pretty fucking tough, too, man. Mm. He's, <laughs> You know, he's hard to hurt, too. He's hard to sustain offense against. That's really the key. You can, like, we saw Gilbert Burns rock him. We've seen guys land decent shots on him, but then they can't really follow it up or they get pressed against the cage or whatever, and there's just sort of these punctuated moments, and then that's it. To me, if you're Jorge Masvidal, um, you know, you're really sticking behind the jab. You're working your angles. You're working your lateral movement. You are not backing up against the fence. And I really feel like, the you want to defend the takedown hopefully in open space and not the fence but more to that point you need to like you know again guard play kind of overstates it but if you're just going to be on your back and underhook and collar tie excuse me i apologize bless you that's you you know you're not going to win right i mean he would know that you know if you're just going to overhook and wait for the referee to come save you you're not going to win the thing it is to me is, yes, stay off the fence, mind the distance, work your lateral movement, but really what what underpins all of that? Dude, you got to match his intensity. You have to match Kamaru Usman's intensity because Kamaru, if you notice the difference between him and Jorge, Kamaru gets a little bit crazy and says cringe shit on fight week, but here's what you can say about him. That dude is dialed in. Mm. When fight night comes around, man, he might be mean-mugging, but he is dialed in, and he has a certain amount of physical intensity with which he prepares and which he attacks you have to match that you must match that if you can get a guy like kamaru and each round he can slightly add to what he was doing before because he's just a little bit more intense than you in that underhooking situation or if he's trying to walk you backwards or if he's trying to jab to the body or something he's trying to just bully you around dude you've got to you've got to push back on that and i think Really, you can pick whatever strategy you want behind that. I tend to think distance management, if he gets put on his back, immediately looking for a leg, immediately inverting, immediately going to guard and working something to make him, put him on the defensive in these positions. You've got to try. At a bare minimum, what does it hurt to try? I think that's really going to be key because if you just let kamaro oh, I'm going to let kamaro just have – the last minute of this round, or I'm not going to fight this particular exchange. or I'm going to wait until it goes later. Dude, no, that guy has unending cardio and he will take any bit of surrender in a small situation. And he will build on that surrender to get bigger and bigger and bigger moments of surrender throughout the course of the, of the fight. So pick your particular thing. I think distance management is going to be key and then attacking in all phases, but whatever it is, you must match his
0: intensity yeah yeah 100 uh speaking of intensity uh no intensity needed when shaving your balls from now on with manscapes lawnmower 3.0 if you haven't gotten it already i mean get it 7000 rpm motor the led light waterproof you'll be as as smooth as you've ever wanted and they've also got the manscape cologne as well the refined cologne the manscape signature scent light approachable, gentlemanly. You're gonna need a tuxedo walking around just to uh, spritz this bad boy on. Uh, It's calm and inviting with a citrus burst and a woody masculine finish. Who doesn't love that? You get a nice bottle, hypoallergenic, vegan, and they're giving away 20% off site-wide if you use the code SUBMISSION. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, Cass. We're presented by Manscaped. Help the
2: show and help out a great product. Get your 20% off today and uh, get smooth because nobody likes a hairy bear during winter here in Australia. Speaking of being smooth cast, what about making some cash this weekend, UFC 261? So many great matchups. There's only one official place for you guys to do that. That is at bookie. Sign up this week with promo code submission to take advantage of up to a $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code submission to grab yourself a free cash bonus on top of free bets and boosted odds. There's only one place to be. That is my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my booking. speaking of friends, Cass, what about our friends at the Ridge? Look at this wallet that casper has got right here. That bad boy is uh, unbelievably durable. If you could believe it, it holds up to 12 cards plus room for cash. Over 40,000 five-star reviews, over 30 colors and the durable material means it comes with a lifetime warranty. The Ridge team is so confident that you like it that they'll let you test drive for 45 days and you can send it back with a full refund if you don't love it. Also, a lot of great uh, sales on, on the website right now, Cass, you can get bags Uh, for up to 25% off. So get ready for those adventures now that the borders are opening up all over the place. Get 10% off today and free worldwide shipping returns by going to the ridge.com forward slash submission. That's ridge.com forward slash submission. Use code submission and uh, get some great deals right now. But Luke, if this fight does sort of play out the same way as that first fight, what do you think it does to both guys, especially if Kamara isn't able to get a finish over Jorge Jorge super tough he wasn't able to do it last time when Jorge didn't have the full camp but of course here Kamara is able to focus on him going into the fight and then what do you think it does for a guy like Mazavdal who hasn't been able to win the title is a big draw but what do you think it does for him career-wise um do you think it relegates him to a guy who's a draw who can just have fun fights like a bit of a Nate Diaz and do you think that Nate Diaz could possibly be next for him if Leon Edwards ends up beating him
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of different possibilities here. The question Mm -hmm. that Jorge Masvidal has to ask himself, and I'm sure he already has, but for all of us, we have to ask ourselves too, was the Nate Diaz fight the peak Mm -hmm. of Jorge Masvidal, even with the rebirth? Mm -hmm. Even with the rebirth, was that the peak? Um, It might be. We don't know. We're going to see. Because it's one thing to have a rebirth and then get the wins that he has. It's another one to then do the kind of unthinkable which is to win an actual weight class title, and not just any old weight class title. This isn't women's flyweight. Like, you know, <laughs> welterweight is one of the pre. I mean, talking about the got all the guys who have held it previously. St. Pierre, I think he's in the Hall of Fame, right? Or maybe he's he's going to be inducted if he's not already in. Uh, Matt Hughes, Hall of Fame. Uh, before that, Pat Militich Hall of Fame. You think they'll you know, put Woodley in the, in the Hall
0: of Fame? You think Dana White will
1: allow that? <laughs> well, honestly, Woodley's one of the best welterweights ever. No, they, I, I, I agree. He's I agree, fame. agree. Yeah. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame worthy, but in terms of you thinking about best welterweights, um, he's up there. But also sure. Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler's going to find his way into the Hall of Fame. Like, dude, this is a marquee division. You want to win a title in this class, good fucking luck because you're going to need it. I don't care who you are. Um, so, yes, I think that for Kamaru, let's say he wins and it's relatively lackluster like the first. Yeah. You know, he's one of these champions um, that is just going to have a. he's got a longer road to popularity. It's just the reality. I think even if he wins, it's not going to be automatic, although that would be pretty uh, – wins in, a, let's say, a dramatic way, I should say. Even then, that won't put him over the top. But, um, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to take time. For Masvidal, always remember something. I always thought that when these guys lose, the fans jump off the bandwagon, and they might feel like that by reading social media. And, yeah, there maybe is a little bit of that. But what you really learn is that when these guys get popular and to that level that he's gotten – I mean, passions for them from the fan base, they die hard. It takes a long time for that. I mean, look at BJ Penn. People are still relatively interested a little bit even in what he has to say. And, you know, we're talking about a decline that's just uh, without peer. So Mm. if he loses here, uh, yeah, not great, obviously. And it probably would tell you that the Nate Diaz fight was his peak. But he still is going to have a level of fight celebrity and, frankly, skill to be in a commanding position. Just he won't be the best welterweight on earth.
2: Is the UFC smart for booking the fight now? This rematch between him and Kamaru Usman, in your opinion? A lot of people are a little bit like, I don't know, do I want to see this one again? A lot of people really believe Kamaru Usman going to get it done, even with all the great hype
0: sort of going into it. You e- you either yeah, make I mean, the money now home. or you or they should have done the Diaz fight and just squeeze a little bit more out of Jorge while they or, can.
2: Or do you do the ultimate fighter with a guy like Colby Covington and then just use his name value to bring back a great show and have that for a whole season before he possibly, you know, if he loses to a guy like Colby.
1: No, the ultimate fighter, I mean, dude, who gives a shit? I, don't know. I mean
2: <laughs> we're still looking on the it? Rashad Evans Rampage Jackson ultimate fighter. I
1: mean I great mean times. who I, it is listen, if the UFC wants to bring it back, it's fine. I'm bagging on it, but I, you know, it's for it's for other people. It ain't mm. it ain't for me. So I really hope they don't do it the that Jones way. But, uh, John
2: Jones season was a fun one too.
1: It, I, I will take your word for it. <laughs> I haven't seen a
2: <laughs>
1: so. uh But I guess I would say, uh, listen, I, I honestly kind of feel like if you're in the UFC, all of these Jorge fights are, you won the lottery with him, which is to say, dude, I don't think they ever, dude, the last two fights that Jorge had before he went to UFC were uh, the Gilbert Melendez fight and then the Justin Wilcox fight, I think. He had one more after that. He went to the UFC with 30 fights. Mm. He had 30 fights under his belt before he even went to the UFC, um, which is he's only been in the UFC for seven years. He had this whole career before that. No one really ever expected him to become this. If you're the UFC, you're just probably thrilled a guy broke through kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it was the Wonder Boy fight where he got smoked. Uh, really, that, That's really, to me, the only—I mean, maybe the Maya fight, too, in a different way, but that Wonderboy fight's the only fight where I've ever watched it. I was like, wow, Jorge got outclassed, where they put like 10, 8 rounds on him, you know? Mm. That, otherwise, he just kind of loses a little bit. So for that guy to become this, dude, you these are paydays for the UFC, for the pay-per-view buy rate. I don't think they ever expected. And Masvidal, just to make sure I'm clear about this, Masvidal is 36 years old. He'll be 37 in November at welterweight. That's old. That's old. If you're going to make money off this guy as a promoter, the time is now. So, yeah, I mean, booking him off a loss and kind of stuff is whatever, whatever. Maybe he should have gone to Leon Edwards, but the pandemic and blah, blah. Well, you know, you can quibble with the meritocracy of it. But for the money-making side, yeah, you got to you you gotta, you gotta do it now.
2: And imagine, I think I saw a tweet about this. I wish I knew who put it up. But imagine, um, I mean, there's always a chance Masvidal ends up winning. He's a new champion. All of a sudden, the doors open up. And who knows? Maybe if Nate Diaz can beat Leon Edwards, you've got uh, Nate Diaz's as Jose this time for the welterweight title. All of a sudden, Conor well, McGregor could... starts knocking on the door. Who's this? Conor McGregor. <laughs> Dude, could... What are you doing here? <laughs> hey, I'm here for the title.
1: You Nick could do four Diaz Jorge swims up
2: Con- to the thing. What's that?
1: Well, hold on. You could do – well, Diaz is not going to beat Jorge Masvidal. I mean, he's I like Diaz, but lately. that ain't he's happening. He's
2: been swimming lately. Have you seen the photos? He's in shape. I keep saying Maybe that he's back not his he's in a pool. And I'm like, what does this have to do uh, with being in the ring?
1: Go on, Luke. But, but to your point, if Jorge wins, I mean, you just can't go wrong at that point. You could mm. do a third fight, which I don't think that they will, but you could do a third fight with Usman. You could do Connor. You could do Colby. You could do eh, Leon, although I don't think that they would do that. But, I mean, you know, you have a lot of choices, and all of them are going to sell at that point. Plus, it deserves to be said that if Jorge actually wins this fight and does become the weight class champion, the fulfillment of a long promise, I mean, that's one of the more, I want to say, unexpected because no one's ever said he was a bad fighter. But in some ways, you know, uh, I think it was my co-host Brian Campbell who said, in many ways, Jorge Masvidal is kind of having a bispian last chapter of his career where at the very end, he's hitting all these highs um, in, in quick succession. And I think that might be true.
0: hundred mm, percent, man. Well, I think that's why people are kind of rallying behind him, right? Everybody loves an underdog story. And uh, as you as you summarize, if you look at his career, it's just so unlikely that he would even be in this position. Yeah. Um, but just, we'll let you go in a sec, Luke, but just on, on some of the other title fights, uh, Jeff Wagenheim uh, did a really good good piece on ESPN about how this card is the first to have two women's titles since UFC 193 in Melbourne, Australia. The very, obviously, famous Ronda vs. Holly fight, which also had a Young-Jay-Chick vs. Valerie Letourneau. But this card kind of shows the evolution of women's MMA, literally all women's, all four women uh, competing are former or current champions. Do you sort of feel that way? And funnily enough, do you expect Z- uh, Zhang versus Rose to be more entertaining than the, the main event?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, yeah, I certainly do. I mean, in the case of uh, Zhang Waili, you have just an absolute phenomenal breakout talent who, I, you know, I thought Ioani check candidly beat her. Barely, barely, obviously. But either way, dude, how do you watch that fight and not just come away with like a general sense of respect, but watching and being like, dude, that is an operator, you know, that is a high level operator there, and then Rose, who has the wins over Ioana, um, but the losses to Andrade, but Wiley has the win over Andrade, can Rose thread a needle to get past it? You're talking about the best women's division by a mile. It's just a phenomenal contest, and then obviously, you know, Valentina Andrade carries its own level of. Intrigue. We know Shevchenko is uh, an extremely technical, smart, high IQ fighter. Andraj, I'm not going to say is as good with the fight IQ, but has made tremendous strides and really her ace in the hole. She might be the most, like pound for, ser- this is a serious question, pound for pound, she might be one of the strongest fighters in UFC. Mm. You know, when you can hoist people at 135 over your head, which she has done, and then slam them authoritatively, you're strong as shit and that bringing that kind of thing to, I mean, she won a title with that, right? Just dropping rows on her head. Um, and now, so you add in some of the things she's worked on all, 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 all four of those women
2: are, uh, terrifying in their own way. It's interesting because a lot of fun fights on this card outside the title fights, you got Jimmy crew versus Anthony Smith, which is a huge fight. I think, especially with the massive market here in Australia, and so many of the Kiwis as well, supporting the Aussies. Um, so that should be a quick fight. Just want to get a quick a quick read on that fight from you. And also this uh, Chris Weidman fight as well with Uriah Hole. It seems like at middleweight, things have sort of opened up a little bit. You can't deny Robert Whitaker another title shot. But with so many injuries and things up in the air, it seems like the door is wide open for somebody to come in and get a good spot with a win here as well. Get a good spot,
1: yeah. But... Nobody's leapfro- leapfrogging uh, Robert Whitaker right now. I mean, that if that guy doesn't get a title, shot... I mean, if if that dude doesn't get a title shot, I don't, I don't know who can. Honestly, I really mean that. Um, so I suspect that he will. I don't think it's going to be very controversial. But um, yeah, the Smith versus Kroot fight is really interesting because Kroot is the win over Circanov that he has is great, um, but I don't think he's beaten anybody to me, and this might sound controversial to other people, I don't think he's beaten anyone as good as Anthony Smith. Now, Anthony Smith has had some rough fights. To share a fight, didn't go his way. Rackage fight, he just kind of got controlled. had a nice rebound um, against Devin Clark, which was nice to see. But I actually, I, I'm a big believer in Anthony Smith. To me, he's another one of these Jorge Masvidal types, like born fighter. Um, you know, I don't think he's ascended to the heights that Jorge has, but I just mean to say, slowly had plenty of bumps in the road. But slowly got better and better and better and better and found the right weight class like Jorge and got better and better and better, to the point where you know you could say what you want about beating Evans and then Shogun, uh, but he beat Uzdemir and he gave Gustafsson his walking papers. You know, like I really take that thing kind of seriously. So I think on the ground, Krute is overmatched. I think on the feet, Smith is overmatched. So really, this is a question of. Who is going to be the guy who defines the terms of the fight? Who is going to be the one that takes it to the other guy and bends them to their will? So so far, Crute seems more like the type to do that. Uh, but, but, you know, not a foregone conclusion by any stretch. And for Smith, you know, you want to get back to that territory where you were getting title fights. You cannot lose fights like this. By contrast, if you're Jimmy Crute and you want to get to places Anthony Smith has been... You got to get through those guys that have been there. So love this fight, and a
2: very, very well matched fight as well. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of fun with that one, and a lot of Aussies keeping their eye on that fight as well. Could be big things if Jimmy wins. Guys, uh, speaking of big things, make sure to follow Luke at L Thomas News, of course, at Morning Combat and Morning Combat every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Tuesday nights in Australia. Give the Morning Combat YouTube channel a sub, and also find out more hopefully information if you follow Luke on a shower routine. What else happens in there? (laughs) Only one way to find out. Follow this man on social media. Luke, we appreciate the shower breakdown and the other stuff as well.
1: Anything for you guys.